episode nine of Slaytanic Vercast, the internet's only comprehensive chronological retrospective of the world's greatest thrash metal band, the mighty Slayer. Each week, we dissect a track from their back catalogue by playing through the song, analysing the lyrics, and giving a final appraisal. I'm Mo from France, and to my west, broadcasting from the gorilla pen at Whipsnade Zoo, it's Dr. Deliquescence. How you doing, Doc? I'm all right. I'm just going to have to be very, very quiet because mm. I'm trying not to rouse the gorillas too much. Is there a silverback? Um, um, I don't believe there is. Mm. I haven't seen much of their backs. I've seen a great deal of their fronts because mm. um, they were staring at me and right. looking at me <laughs> and making gorilla threat gestures. Um, but as you know, it's Guy Fawkes night tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really want to be reminded of what it, be, what it might be like to have the flesh burned off your body mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Not again. Not, um, not, not for a third time, no. Doc, surely. No, I mean, um, that, that, that incident, um, the, the, the disagreeable incident in um, uh, Hualoi in 1968, um, where I made the mistake of being at ground zero during the napalm strike, mm. that wasn't fun. Mm. And neither was the backfiring Egyptian curse three years ago. No, I know, I know. It. And, and, and this is the reason, listeners, that um, would, whenever, the, whenever the band name Napalm Death is mentioned, you will, you will hear the good doctor wince a little. Um, now, talk to me about their penises, please, Doc. I, I, I have it on good authority that a gorilla's penis is a trivial affair compared to, 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 to its general bulk. I'm now no longer mystified um, as to why um, being in that pub in West Ham, um, glancing sideways at the chap and telling him he was hung like a gorilla, mm. got me such a good shoeing. <laughs> That was a mystery to me until now. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, it's 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 not a compliment to a man. It's not, is it? No. They're, they're, um, they're, in comparison to their to, to their mighty bulk, the 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 gorilla's sword is mightily unimpressive. Why are you there, Doc? I'm sure everybody wants to know. Why the fuck are you there? Um, as you know, I've been struggling greatly with getting grafts to take mm. recently. Um something to do with my immune system. Mm -hmm. I've abandoned the genus Homo sapiens just for a little while. um, And I'm wondering if the the DNA um, or the glandular composition of gorilla, gorilla, gorilla Mm -hmm. um, will suit me better in my search for replacement kidneys. Ah, good. Ah, so, so I imagine you, you've got to sneak up to them pretty close to extract some DNA. Well, to, to extract the kidneys. Blessings to you, Doc. It, it, um, here in France, we have a, an expression that, 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 that is missing from the English language, and it is bogouage. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's an alpha male over in the corner, and I can see myself having to be very, very affectionate to him. <laughs> um... <laughs> if I'm to get what I want. I have fallen off the wagon, Doc. Do you remember I was talking about a dry a, a dry lockdown? Um, not going to happen. I've fallen off the wagon. I think hopefully it's, it's good for the show, but I'm disappointed a little bit. Here's the thing, though, Doc. It's not my fault. The trouble is, lockdown is really boring. Life without booze 
is really boring. It's double boredom. It's boredom squared, Doc. What am I meant, what am I meant to do about it? You could always thank goodness that you're not me. Mm. Um, on the other hand, um, once you've got over that, um, you can um, you can climb back on the wagon um, anytime you want. So, I mean, uh, having um, having failed to pull off uh, Sobertober mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> not ve- and 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 not November, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I don't think many people have uh, great success reigning in their worst excesses during the latter half of the month of December. Now, do they? No, 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 no. I don't think um, so. Let's get started with the episode proper now. Normally, at this point, I introduce some corrections. However, I have no corrections, but legend has it that the good doctor has three corrections for me today. Um, Go on, then. Kick us off. I will do. Um, So, my life being a whole catalogue of errors, I don't Mm -hmm. normally feel the need to parade them on this show, and I normally uh, leave them up to Mo. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, I have three. Two episodes ago, um, I made a reference to... um, the members of Slayer, uh, doing their best to uh, impersonate, as I said, Ari and Nico, mm-hmm. um, as in um, sounding a lot like the like the, uh, the musicianship on, on the first Iron Maiden album. Um, foolishly, um, I didn't know my history, um, and Nico McBrain was, of course, not the drummer on the first Iron Maiden album. It was Clive Burr. Yeah, Nico so, doesn't uh, join until uh, album three, I believe. Um number of the beast now in fact i i even need to fact check that there is something in the back of my brain saying he doesn't come onto a peace of mind but i think i think it's album three do, do, do you know better no i don't um and in fact i almost compounded my error with another error uh, i almost said it was um the drummer on the first album was uh, was mr sampson mm. but um mr sampson as far as i know only ever actually appeared to fill in on the john peel sessions Yes, I mean, certainly the, the the first drummer officially on a recording on a recorded work for Maiden was definitely Clive Burr. Yes, I think you're quite right there. Error number two, please, Doc. Um, I also said that, um, and I stated quite boldly that uh, France, I believe, had been a republic um, since that uh, that regrettable incident involving King Louis's head and a sharp steel blade. Mm-hmm. Um, France was a republic immediately after the revolution. Um, and until the rise of Napoleon and, the, and Napoleon's naming of himself as emperor. Um, obviously, a nation state that has an emperor can't really go around calling itself a republic. Mm-hmm. And um, after the, the final undoing of Napoleon, there was a short-lived official restoration of the monarchy called the Bourbon Restoration, which was not wildly popular. Um, and after that, the second French Republic was instituted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was wrong about that too. Well, um, me and the French population duly forgive you, so don't worry too much. Um, correction number three. Um, so this is not so much a correction as an omission. Mm-hmm. Um, we all knew there'd be some of these. Um, Mo asked me uh, what my favourite or what the best band names in the world are. I came up with some uh, some relatively provocative ones um, in terms of a band name which I heard only once. I've never even heard the band. I just saw them in a listing of new releases from Napalm Records um, in the mid-90s. Um, and the name has stuck with me ever since. And whether you think it's a good name or a bad name, um, you've got to say that a band 
where your one and only contact with them has been to read their name once and the name sticks with you. Mm-hmm. It's got something going for it. Sure. Um, that's, Stickability. That's, that's, well, I mean, that's the stuff of marketing departments, wet dreams. It really yep. is. Um, is. And so um, a finger in the air for the band name Darkified. 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 And we like it. Yeah. Darkified. Uh, heard it once, never forgot it. Um, and in terms of names which are both memorable and provocative, how on earth could I have forgotten anal cunt? Oh well, of course, and 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 their and their distant cousins, anal blast, of course, um, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is equally good fun. Um, it reminds me of a conversation, a drunken conversation. I think me and you had many, many moons ago, where we came up with, you know, what I think we considered to be the the defining thrash metal band name that doesn't actually exist, but really should. And that band name is Tarantulator, which surely <laughs> somebody's got to do it. Oh, we're too old now, but surely. Come on, kids, wake up. Tarantulator, make it happen. So let's move on to the topic of this week's episode. And that topic is name an album that you like from a metal genre you generally don't like. Do you understand the rules, Doc? Yeah, I think I do. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge I'm not a huge fan of doom metal. Mm-hmm. Um don't hate it. Um, but having heard some Black Sabbath in my life, um, I don't feel the need to go back and listen to the work of a band um who um, essentially take a small piece of Black Sabbath and then play it for 19 minutes. Mm-hmm. There are individual songs. Um, so The Tempter um, by Trouble is one of my favourite songs. Okay. Um, Sloth, Sloth by St. Vitus is also one of my favourite songs. Wow. That, 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 St. Vitus, that's a deep cut, Doc. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's um, it's sort of uh, trawling the annals of history a bit there. Mm-hmm. Um but as far as a, a whole entire doom metal album, I'm going to have to name the Carnival Bazaar by Cathedral. Oh yes, uh huh. Now, does it, is that the um, album that has Anthony Hopkins' Witchfinder General on it? Um, it has Matthew Hopkins. Uh, not Anthony Hopkins. General. Anthony Hopkins is an actor, isn't he? Yeah, 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 you're quite right. Yeah, Matthew Hopkins, Witchfinder General. Uh, uh, um, uh, am I in the right yep. ballpark? Yes, you are. Um, It's also got um, the track uh, Carnival Bazaar, which contains the unforgettable chorus, Circus of Macabre, Freaks and Lepers, Step Right Up. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. What is it about this particular album that elevates it, you know, into your, you know, like category where where other other Doom albums fail? What would you say? Well, you'll be spotting a bit of a pattern now. I encountered the songs on the album um, before I heard them recorded. Um, I encountered them um, at a live show. Um, I'm going to stick my neck out here and say it was um, in the top three loudest, most ear-damagingly loud live shows I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in a small place in Stoke-on-Trent, probably about 400 capacity. And it was ruinously loud. Mm-hmm. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed every minute of it. Um, and... My two friends and I went out the following day and we bought a copy of the album each on um, gatefold double 10-inch vinyl. 
Yeah. Um, which, by the way, also makes it the cutest metal album in the history of the world because um, 10 inch records are just so adorable. Um, and I think probably by the end of the year, we'd, we'd each worn out our own copies of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just one of those albums that sort of became um, the cult hit of that, uh, of, of, of that year. And you didn't have to be around someone's house for more than about 10 minutes before someone would go, oh, put, 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 Carnival, put, put Carnival Bazaar on. Now, for me, um, my uh, genre, that I, I, I think we've discussed it before, that I generally don't really like, is kind of raw, primitive, black metal. Um, <laughs> it just doesn't vibe with me quite correctly. But there is an album by a band. Now, this is problematic in, in, for, for, from a couple of apps from a couple of angles firstly the genre is not one that i usually i usually get get down to but also politically these guys are oh, oh these guys are tough um the name of the band is grand belial's key um mm-hmm. an american um national socialist uh, black metal band i would say and the album in question is judeo beast assassination it is a spectacular work of piece of music. It is it's it's aggressive. It's ambient. It's dark. It's horrifying. You just you know, for me personally, I just have to kind of ignore the lyrics for the most part. Their obsession with the with the use of the word fag in particular is 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 discomforting. Um, and they, they're obvious anti-Semitism, um, you know, but politics aside, it's a, it's just a fantastic, fantastic album. You just have to ignore quite a lot of the bad stuff. Are you familiar with them, Doc? Um, only with the name. Mm. Um, I literally had never even associated them with the NSBM mm-hmm. um, movement. Yeah. Um, it's um, oddly enough, it's another one of those vaguely memorable names. Uh, just the, the 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 name Granville Isles Key um, always struck me as a good name. Sure. Um, I think sort of leading on from this, really, <laughs> uh, and, and um, a little follow up by saying, how problematic do you find it personally, or how much do you have to struggle with yourself to? enjoy the works or effectively to directly fund um, people who openly associate themselves with political movements Mm -hmm. that you would probably rather not directly fund Mm -hmm. or you would probably rather not be on the same planet as. Um, I'm not asking you which particular political movements, Mm -hmm. but how, how, how much do you tussle with yourself about that? Well, I don't really. Um, if if um, you know, if a band or an artist makes it clear that you know that that they have a political ideology that that I do not share, then I at that point stop funding them. Now that does not mean that I maybe that maybe that does not mean that I stop listening to their music or watching their output but it does mean that I stop directly contributing. I don't think I need to spell that out much more clearly, do I, Doc? No, sure, not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, um, 
I ended up having a, um, you might not have got this opinion from my public persona, but I, I, I don't like particularly getting into fights or getting into arguments, particularly not for the sake of it. Mm. Um, and I, I, I don't enjoy confrontation, particularly when it's with people I otherwise get along quite well, quite well with. Um, a couple of years ago, I ended up um, pretty much falling out with someone um, over their insistence that um, I should allow the, the, the Christianity of Christian hardcore to slide. Um, and you know it, it's it, and um, someone was insisting to me that uh, it was really good music. It was a really really good example of of, of the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, since it had a positive message, if the message happened to be Christian in origin, why was that a problem to me? Okay. And I ended up having to say because I think it's outreach. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's another example um, of. Um, the Christian arm of capitalism, um, using music as a, a youth recruiting tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and as such, I don't put it in any different category to the more cultish ends of, um, the, 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 the more cultish ends of Islam that recruit for ISIS or sure. the Scientologists or the Moonies. Um, for me, I mean, I've so, not, not from a hardcore perspective, but, but from a metal perspective, I've seen this in action. Now, fortunately, um, you know, it's my experience that when, <laughs> you know, when, when devout Christians try, God bless them, when they try to write metal, um, it, is, it is so piss poor. Um, you know, that the, 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 it carries no legitimacy or weight. I have no problem with somebody being a Christian. Live your life. I don't give a damn. Um, but, you know, you, you, I am yet to see, a, I am yet to hear, sorry, a Christian metal band that actually sounds authentically metal. Um, I'm going to hum a little refrain to you, um, mm-hmm. and I want to see what memories this calls back. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you to remember at the time when you were living at your good friend's house, um, <clears throat> probably a good 27 years ago now, um, and he left us a tape that he wanted us to listen to mm-hmm. uh, because he, he, he was sure we'd find it amusing. And I'm just going to have to sing to you very quickly. Jesus, you are, <laughs> you are my, my redeemer. redeemer. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Yes, you're right. Who could forget Jesus, the redeemer? Okay, welcome to part two of the show. Here, we play the track, pause it from time to time to discuss what we are listening to, and generally just get on down to a bit of Slayer. This week's song is track nine from Show No Mercy, entitled Cryonics. Here we go. What a what an upbeat vibe this has, and doesn't it sound fat? with a ph isn't that fat yes it is it's stuff i'm going to come to a bit later mm-hmm. um i'm going to avoid um saying and compare and contrast to the horrible thing we had to put up with the last time we did this of course um but um whatever that was the balance is redressed 
Um, now we're back with the program. Um, can we hear some more, please? Let's go. My God, I love Tom's voice in this song. It, 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 it's masterful. It's it, it's metal. It's melodic. It's it's emotional. He, fabulous, fabulous. Um, this is what I mean by um, any day I will take a victory of ambition over ability mm-hmm. um, compared to the opposite way around. Mm-hmm. Um, it's showing up some limitations in his vocals, um, but I don't care because he's pushing himself far beyond what he's ever attempted before um, as a vocalist. Um, he's got structures in the vocal lines that are not just following along with the music. Mm-hmm. Um, the vocals are by now the fifth instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's fantastic. Yep. Let's go. so rich it's so warm it's so vibrant the production here is it it it, 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 it i i know we're gonna we, we, we are trying to avoid the, the the comparisons but it it's impossible really how, you know how could the last track be produced so terribly and this be so close to perfection it, it i'm baffled doc it's almost no use trying to resist the compare and contrast. I was going to try and hold it off till we'd listen to the whole track. Um, <clears throat> but I think we've decided we can't avoid um, doing it right now. Have you ever heard the output of one of those programs that will make an MP3 file from a full width WAV file? And then it will also store the stuff that it's scraped out um, the stuff that it's chosen to leave out when it makes the compressed MP3 file. Sure. I know, I know exactly what you're talking um, about. Because it's almost like you had one song that started off being recorded as a full-width WAV file. The previous song was the stuff that got winnowed out because um, it wasn't really necessary. Mm. And this is almost like the bits from the same recording session um, that got kept because they were the good bits. Yeah, Everything that was... Hazel, skinny, pointy stick in the ear, annoying, um, juvenile in the previous track is, um, like you said, um, warm, inviting, atmospheric. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people who don't understand how I can use this word about the band Slayer, but it's not problematic to me. Soulful. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the sound of a band at almost at the point of having mastered what it is they're trying to do at this stage of their career. Mm. It's the point where everything that um, there are some vocal limitations. The Mm -hmm. production isn't perfect. Um, I don't care about vocal limitations and I don't care about imperfect productions. Me neither. Um, And I suppose what you're left with here 
and I suppose the intention was to was to preserve as much of the vibe um, and as much of the the feeling of togetherness of a live recording um, as could possibly be done. Mm. It's absolutely wonderful. It, to me, this sounds like a band on fire. Let's go. The doctors, the lawyers, the And I'll even forgive him the uh, Rob Halford scream. And talking of priest, I don't really like this riff, Doc. The, 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 this kind of stuff, this kind of overtly new album vibe it's it, 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 it's where my toes start to curl a little bit what are your thoughts um i think it's thematically appropriate um that kind of thing has never offended me uh, as much as it's offended you mm. um i've never completely understood why any band would want to play down its roots um i can understand why some people think it's cheesy um, mm -hmm. But probably because my my background in metal doesn't run as long and deep as yours does, mm -hmm. and I I never learned to dread no album. Mm -hmm. um, by the time <laughs> I encountered metal at all, um, it was already a spent force, and I was in the position of someone who hadn't been born until 1950, um, being unable to understand the terror of living through World War II. Sure. Yeah, for, for for me, these moments, you know, it it just it, it takes away all of that energy, all of the impetus. That it, it, you know, it's so far up until this point, the track is like a, some like kinetic force of nature, unstoppable, um, and then suddenly you get e e e moments, and ah, it it, 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 it uh, that the impetus disappears. Albeit briefly. Do you hear what I hear? The bass, Doc. The bass. Good Lord. When you said, do you hear what I hear? I was about to reply, a whole entire drum set. The, the drums too, of course. Thank God. Um, welcome, welcome aboard, Dave. Yeah, um, I could hear. I, I could hear what sounded like a whole entire drum set with mm -hmm. more than one drum in it. You're right. Um, am I? Is is this the time to uh, to bring up the the solos? Because uh, we, we've we've got two pretty intricate um, unison lead mm -hmm. parts going mm -hmm. on there. Mm -hmm. Um, do we know enough to say that uh, Mr. Hanneman and Mr. King are playing one of them each? They definitely are. And, and the reason I know this is uh, before the episode, I actually watched them perform this live in 1983. Um, and they are on stage, oh. standing side by side. Um, yep. Bashing, bashing this particular lead line out in harmony. Yep. They definitely played together.
Now that's a change, isn't it? That's a really fabulous change of, is it a change of time? Is it just a change of syncopation? Yeah, um, it's change. Um, I think I can pick out a change of tempo and time mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they go, for, I, I, I think they change speed and they change time signature. Yeah. Um, all in one go. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, um, not an easy thing to do um, to suddenly uh, sort of pull out of a negative G dive like that mm-hmm. um, and manage to change direction and change speed all at once. Yeah, difficult thing to pull off. Oh, yes, man. We've got the Slayer stops. We've got the Slayer stops. We've got a fabulous lead line. My God, this track is getting better and better and better. Better, Doc. What do you think? I'm not quite as enthusiastic about it as you are, but mm-hmm. then I don't think anybody um, could be as enthusiastic about this as you are. And <laughs> I think it's a great track. Mm. There's no doubt that um, compared to what we had to sit through the last time we did this, almost anything would be better. But yep. oh my God, isn't it? Yep, it is. Let's go. production again um because this is just an example of my favorite kind of production um in the field of heavy music Mm -hmm. it's a willingness on the part of the recording engineer um to put his own ego aside and put the demands of technically perfectly technically perfect recording to one side in the benefit of recording a great song Mm -hmm. one of my favorite sounds as well the overdrive plus um, chorus, like almost post-punk new wave guitar sound um, you have there. Um, and what the recording engineer is doing is pushing the gain up on the desk so high that it's almost overdriving or clipping a second time um, as it's going into the microphone that's in front of the amplifier. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost an unforgivable thing for a recording engineer to do from a technical perspective. When the people who understand metal and who work with metal and not just play it, but who record it as well, um, can really pull something out of the bag, do something experimental, do something different. Um, and a by the book production would not have suited this track at all. Um, So there we go. Track nine from Show No Mercy called Cryonics. Now, here's the thing, Doc. I had no memory of that song until earlier today. Um, I've listened to it 
pretty much non-stop all day since I heard it because it is fucking brilliant. It's good in, um, I can only think of three, wa- three ways in which it's good. Oh, um, just a three. It's a great song in its own right. Um, yeah, it's a great song in its own right. Um, it's another contribution to an album that it turns out I'm consistently underrating and I've mm-hmm. been consistently underrating for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to call it um, the, the terminal point or the end point of early Slayer because although nothing in this song makes it into the future of Slayer, it's a marvellous example of the breadth of their scope that effectively by this early on in their recording career, they were preparing to pretty much abandon a whole entire style that they'd almost completely mastered. Mm-hmm. I've said this before about some of their other tracks. Going back over this album, I almost feel cheated. Um, I almost wish I'd sort of had a chance to visit a, a, a parallel universe where Slayer didn't go full on thrash mm-hmm. um, and didn't, um, ditch everything except the speed and the intensity um, and instead pushed more in the direction of what could be done with this style Yeah, um, yeah. I wouldn't give up my classic Slayer for anything mm-hmm. but I feel like we really missed out on something when they abandoned the style Well based on this you know it, it, if, it, if they were capable of pumping out 10 tracks of this quality and this style, you know, every couple of years, then they, you know, they, they could easily have, have, have become kind of the, you know, the American Iron Maiden, basically. Um, I've got a couple, of, a couple of things to say about it. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just going to recap. Yeah, um, I feel genuinely cheated that um, we didn't get more of Slayer doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, the song has an elegiac quality to it. Mm-hmm. It feels like the end of something. It feels like even if I didn't know they were shortly to abandon the style completely, there's something about the track that makes me feel as though they're going to. Um, It's as though every single piece of enthusiasm, every single piece of ability they have in this style has gone into this track. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, um, that was no album Slayer. Um, Love it and say goodbye to it because you're not going to be seeing it anymore. And something that, 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 that kind of ties into that, I think this is the first track on the album that has kind of a definitive ending where it just kind of stops. I think up until this yeah. point, every song has had that kind of classic kind of rock ending. It's something that frustrates me quite often, quite a lot, actually. I, I hate kind of drawn out endings to songs. I, to me, it always feels lazy. Write a fucking ending to the song, you know, just end the song. Do, do it with style and, and 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 i think this is the first time on the album that they've actually done that and to me that to kind of echo what you're saying it almost feels like a full stop from now i'm going to embark on a thought experiment i don't know how successfully i'll be able to pull it off but i'm going to try and psych myself into being in the mindset of being a slayer fan mm-hmm. at this point mm-hmm. and i'm going to try to imagine that i'd never heard um, Future Slayer sure. before because I want to try to imagine the, what, what the impact on me for good or ill is going to be when they break out their next set of um, evolutionary changes mm-hmm. on the next album and then I've got to try and do it again because um, when album three comes up mm-hmm. um, I've got to try and put myself back in that position again and try to imagine what it would have been it's, it's a chance I never had 
No, of course. Um, what I, th like? I, th I think we have a transitionary point as well because I, you know, I need to check the, uh, the, the the exact dates. But I think before I think before we move on to Hello Waits, there is the small matter of the haunting the chapel EP to be covered. Um, which kind of will serve as some kind of bridge between the two, I feel. Um, any final final thoughts before we move on to uh, dissecting the lyrics, good doctor? Um, I quite liked it. Mm -hmm. um, if there was any in, in, any doubt about that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I have anything else to say on the subject of the music strictly um, just at this minute. Um, we'll have a look at the words, um, and there's a couple of other things that are best saved to final thoughts. How's that? Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay, let's move on. Welcome to part three of the show, Evil Speak. Here, we read through and dissect the lyrics that Tom is gen generally screaming at us. So, here goes. Verse one. upon me, watching me in my perpetual sleep. Dreams deceive me. My future depends on a mindless dream. I've fallen from promises, damned to take risks on my own. The masterful science that freezes your mind and your soul. The wretched dream is realized. The human race is to be crystallized. Doc, I rather like them. What's your take? I've had many, many thoughts about the origin of this. Um, do you remember um, when um, cryonics um, or cryogenic preservation mm -hmm. um, was being kind of semi-seriously talked about um, as a means that people may survive diseases for which there was no reliable treatment at that time? Do, now, my, do, I mean, my memory of this is kind of late 80s early 90s the conversation generally involved the name Walt Disney whose head was apparently frozen and yeah it, it was <coughs> conceived as a possibility to extend your life beyond its natural conclusion um it seems to me Slayer have got there pretty early because I, I can't think this must come from the, the, the inspiration for this must, must come from some kind of sci-fi or horror literature or movie, surely. I deliberately haven't researched this. Mm. Um, the reason is um, I want to rely on my memories um, of the subject in popular consciousness. Mm -hmm. I have a suspicion um, the, the title of the song will give you a clue not just as to the subject, but to the very writer who uh, might have originated the subject. Um, I'll leave you to ponder that. Um, look at the name and tell me... Um, no, look at the name. It's, 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 it's much more obvious than that. The, the, the name is inferred by the title of the song. I'll, I'll leave that with you for a couple of minutes. Okay. 
do you remember a few weeks ago, um, you were talking about um, your Pavlovian, Pavlovian reaction to hearing the theme tune to um, Quincy M.E. on television? Oh, my God. Yes. Like, like, Do you remember you know, like a dog hearing the bell, I would kind of march glassy-eyed to the sofa and, and pop myself down to watch you know, that week's exploits of um, Jack Klugman. Gentlemen, I would like to welcome you to the most fascinating field of police work, the world <laughs> of forensic medicine. remember an episode of Quincy. Um, you you know, the, you, bet your ass, episode... you, you bet your ass, Doc, I am going to cut in the title sequence to Quincy at that point. You mark my fucking words, man. I would be both surprised and disappointed if you didn't. <laughs> Go I on, remember sir. an episode of Quincy. I remember an episode of Quincy, which is precisely about the subject um, and, uh, and, and an evil doctor. Uh, of the kind who used to appear quite frequently in, in, in Quincy, um, had discovered um, a method that he believed to be proof under law um, mm. to eliminate his rivals um, mm. and other people he wished to eliminate, which is to, by convincing them to consent to being cryogenically frozen. Now, the doctor in question knew perfectly well that the process would be fatal, um, but he believed he would have plausible deniability because all of the people he had murdered by freezing them to death had consented to being frozen on the understanding that, would, that, that, that it would prolong their life. Mm -hmm. um, and for, for Quincy, um, it became not merely a matter of some detective work. Uh, there was never any question about what had killed the people and what had happened to them, um, but um, effectively a point of law. If someone consents to being subjected to a process um, that will kill them. Mm -hmm. Can it be considered murder? Ah. Um, I think that was the first time um, in my life I'd seen a piece of pop culture um, that introduced the spirit of cryonics. Mm -hmm. um, that would probably have been in 1978 or 1979. It would mm -hmm. be round about the time that I was sort of first allowed to stay at past eight o'clock at night. Um, the reason, and once again, I don't know this. I haven't researched it. I'm curious as to whether the, the word cryonics derives in part from the name Crichton. Mm. Oh, um, yes. As in, um, as in Mr. Michael it's, Crichton. It's, it's the kind of subject. As in Mr. Michael Crichton, yes, um, mm -hmm. who um, had also been responsible for not merely writing but directing one of the great evil hospital movies. Sure. Which, we, we, um, you're, which you're talking about Coma, aren't you? I am talking about Coma. Yeah. Um, which 
do believe has been the uh, the origin point of um, of many many metal tracks. Mm. One, one of which um, um, a band that I was in wrote. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So um, I am very I'm intimately familiar with the uh, with, with, with with the plot points of of coma written originally. You see, I think um, coma effectively is the starting point for any, you know, weird technology, science gone wrong plot, effectively. You, you, you can trace it all back to, Co- well, you can trace it all back to Michael Crichton, can't you? Jurassic Park, Westworld, Coma, et al. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I would say that Jurassic Park is kind of at, at the end um, of his really radical productive life. Mm. It's one of his least radical works mm-hmm. um but i mean um if you want to know what the origin point of what the origin point of terminator is look at westworld mm-hmm. um sure. if you want to know what the origin point of literally every evil hospital film you've ever seen um <laughs> uh, yeah um look at coma sure um it, it, it's a cracker it's a cracker um so i don't know if michael Crichton never explicitly wrote a book or wrote the script for a film um about cryonics mm-hmm. um I would like it if he did, um, mm. because mm. Um, I think it would be a great joke um, that um, he could provide a piece of mad science with um, a perfectly scientifically plausible name that was in part derived from his own name. I'd love sure. that. <clears throat> sure, yes. Um, um, in, in terms of the, the, the quality of the words here, I mean, I don't think we can really mine this for any double meaning can we it's pretty clear what this is about i think the narrative is pretty stark i would be surprised if there if there is a double meaning here unless unless you have other thoughts doc i'm fascinated by this line the human race is to be crystallized Mm -hmm. now do you understand this to mean as i do that the the protagonist um the guy who has undergone cryogenic suspension um, is planning on outliving the rest of the human. What, 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 what do we make of this expression, crystallised? Um, I think he's saying that the, the, the human race is effectively frozen in time at this point. Um, he doesn't want it to regress or progress. The protagonist here is, is kind of, is, 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 I mean, happy is the wrong word, but, but this is the way we express it, of course. Is happy with the, with the state of society, and it, and he just wants it to stay as it is, to crystallise it in, almost like freeze it in in, in amber, effectively. To, to, you know, for for another Jurassic yeah. Park reference. So I think what you're referring to is crystallisation in the way that one one, one crystallises fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that those um, delicious things that you have sort of around about Christmas time, sure. um, the, the crystallised fruits. Um, I considered um, it might be literally turned into mineral crystals, um, for instance, by a very large blast of radioactivity. Mm -hmm. Um, I took it to be um, the protagonist planning the means by which he will survive the destruction of life on Earth. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether this is merely a bad line or one that isn't followed up on very well. My future depends on a mindless dream. Have you ever, for whatever reason, been asleep for far too long um, and 
been in a dream that goes on for far too long and takes on a life of its own. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're awakened from it, you are simultaneously relieved to be back in the waking world and away from the dream world that in all probability was not very nice. But you're similarly bereft um, that situations and locations and companions who've been with you for what seems like a very long time are suddenly taken away from you and you've got no way to get them back. Yes, yeah, so I mean, I am, I am fortunate, really. I am blessed with, 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 the, with the capacity to experience lucid dreams. You know, I, 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 can, oh, well control, I can control what's happening sometimes. I can wake up and, you know, pop to the toilet in the middle of the night um, and then go, you know, get back into bed and literally just continue from that point as if you press pause on a movie. Um, so I feel quite blessed in that way. Um, the thing that the, the, your description brings to mind to me, the episode of Star Trek The Next Generation called The Inner Light, I think it is, where Picard experiences a lifetime in the blink of an eye, effectively, in a couple of minutes. He lives out his whole lifetime and he is, he is absolutely distraught, isn't he? when he awakens back into the real world because, you know, he's lost his wife, he's lost his children. These people never existed, but to him they did. And he's also lost his whole entire culture and his planet. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, and um, that's a big part of it. Um, I was actually, um, that's a very benign um, version of the thing I was referring to. I was probably more referring to the sort of almost companion DS9 episode yeah. Um, which is where someone has an encounter with um, an alien species whose method of punishment um, is not to put you in prison or not to torture you, but to implant memories of being in prison and being in uh, and, and, and having been tortured. Oh, yes. Now, you're um, talking about the episode called Hard Times, aren't you, from series four of DS9. Now, we, we are super getting our geek on now. Uh, this is the this is when uh, Chief O'Brien, played by the excellent Colmini, um, is punished for a, a, a really minor infraction on a planet, isn't he? And his punishment yes. is is to live out his life as a prisoner, effectively. It it it, it it's terrifying. It, it's it's really impactful, you know, for for a, a television program that was on at prime time. Very very tough stuff. Great. Yeah, I mean, to, to effectively be left with the memories of approximately 20 years of solitary or, or, or near solitary confinement mm-hmm. um, during which time, um, for good behaviour, he's presented with a companion so that he won't quite go mad for lo- from, mm. from loneliness mm. um, and who he then subsequently murders. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, it's kind, kind of halfway be- be- between the two things. Um, you are mercifully glad to be released from the experience you've been having whilst you've been asleep. Mm-hmm. But inevitably, you miss those, those, those situations and those people were, in, were, were somehow real for you. And whatever else they were, they were your companions yeah. um, in that situation. It's, it's, it's the ability that true poets or people who write poetry have to come up with a few well-chosen words. I can't do this. I can't even come close. And on the strength of the previous track, um, Slayer don't always succeed at doing it either. But on this case, mm. on this occasion, um, we have a few well-chosen words that have 
managed to recall, implant, suggest um, a massive litany um, of things to think about. I've fallen from promises, damned to take risks on my own. What does that mean, Doc? Um, I've fallen from promises. This makes this this probably makes more sense if you know the source material or if you can identify the source material. As I've said before, I've made no effort to do any research on this. Um, I wanted the song to go to work on me on on on, on its own account. Um, who makes? Um, who would be involved in some kind of evil hospital, oblique strip, medical drama situation? Who has made promises? Well, a doctor clearly. <clears throat> and under what circumstances does a doctor fall from promises? <clears throat> Um, when he fails to protect the lives of his patients or mm -hmm. when he uses his ability to unethical ends. Sure. Um, damn to take risks on my own. <clears throat> I think that follows on from that. Um, yeah, you're right. I think we're in the territory of an unethical doctor. Um, why he has decided to subject himself to, cry to, to cryogenic suspension. Um, spoiler, we'll get a bit more of a clue about in the next verse. But I think that's what that's a reference to. So, so is, that a good, is that a good point to move on to verse two? I think it might be, yeah. Here we go, verse two. of laughter filling the head of the master in charge worlds of wonder is this a cure or a painless death i'll fight and resist till they all see the end that is near the doctors the lawyers and g-men are living in fear living my life with one distant hope a cure that will kill my invincible foe there's some interesting stuff here doc what's a g-man um I believe the G is for gangbuster. Um, oh. I believe it is a euphemism for the FBI um, oh. or um, some sort of federal law enforcement agency. Okay. Mm. Um, the doctors and lawyers and G-men. Um, so I can crowbar this into my previous theory. It's the kind of people who might come after a doctor who's been suspected of serious malpractice or seriously unethical behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, why, why, why would they be living in fear? Uh, what's your thought on that? And then let's let's go back to your favourite line. Let's see if that opens any doors for us. My favourite line is "Worlds of Wonder," because that's it. It, it seems quite um, I don't know. It, 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 it's very positive for Slayer, isn't it? Worlds of Wonder. There's like a like a like a magic to it. Um, a sense of like the other of the awesome, but 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 in a really positive way. Um, to me, the, the Worlds of Wonder, I kind of expect to hear Nightwish singing that kind of line, not Slayer. Um, so it's very surprising. But of course, you know, the, the, this, this is kind of pre their decision to go ultimately down the thrash dark route. So they're still exploring here. Um, is this a cure or a painless death? Um, 
I mean, it, 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 it's fabulously evocative, fabulous stuff. Oh, do, do, has, has that opened any doors for you, Doc? Help me out. Um, many. Uh, it's made me think of lots of things. Mm. Let's combine the strand, your strand of thought that you brought to the previous verse and mine. So imagine you're committing yourself to the, the, the condition of, of, of cryogenic suspension, um, and you also have the ability to dream lucidly. Mm. Um, and effectively, you have an unbroken, um, limitless opportunity to have a sort of self-directed psychedelic experience within your own head. Um, I think that's what worlds are, are filling the head of the master in charge. Mm. Worlds of wonder, is this a cure or a painless death? Um, the chap is evidently prepared to take the risk that the, the, the cryogenic process might, might, um, might kill him. Mm -hmm and is actively anticipating the cryogenic suspension not merely being an end. So he's, he's not merely going to outlive his enemies or um, outlive whatever justice he feels might be coming to him. Um, but whilst in suspension, um, he's going to have this marvellous self-directed psychedelic lucid dreaming experience mm -hmm. where in theory, because dream time bears no relation to linear time, he would have time to construct and populate a kingdom um, or a world of his own. Um, I will conjecture that that's what this is a reference to. And, and so why would the G-men, you know, the FBI, the authorities, why, why would they be scared of this man? You know, is, is, is it because he has time to, you know, the, the, the infinite time of dreaming gives him time enough to concoct plans and strategies and notions that will outfox them at every turn? Um, no, I'm going to go back to my uh, inference from the first verse. I think there's some sort of nuclear, environmental, astronomical catastrophe imminent, um, which will crystallise the human race, mm -hmm. um, which which uh, which will eliminate his enemies. Um, but, but why specifically is he talking about doctors, lawyers, and authority figures? That seems very pointed. Um, if, if, if there's a nuclear strike, that takes out everybody. But here, clearly, our protagonist is very interested in effectively authority figures or you know white collar white collar people in general. Um, because those are the only people who are intimately concerned with him. Um, mm. I still have this image in my mind that he, he's, he's, he's a corrupt or malfeasant doctor mm. um, who has been engaging in an ethical experiment. And those are the people who are, who, who are immediately threatening to him. Mm -hmm. um, the, I suppose if the apocalypse doesn't end the human race, then the, the, the conjectured apocalypse will at least put an end to authority. Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. Living my life with one distant hope, a cure that will kill my invincible foe. So presumably the invincible foe is death itself. Would you agree with that, Doc? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would. Yeah, that, that's the reading, isn't it? Yes. Any further thoughts here before we move on to our conclusion? Um, I've got to say the same thing that I did when we just finished talking about the music. Um, compared to the below par by the standards of 11 year old mm. doggerel mm. that we were obliged to ingest the last time we looked at the lyrics of the Slayer song. <laughs> um, there's nothing sophisticated here. No. Um, and 
along with the music, um, it makes the correct decision to ditch technical skill in favour of raw emotional power. Mm -hmm. And I can't fault it for that. No. Shall we move on? Welcome to part four of Slaytanic Vercast. Here, we just offer our final thoughts and summations and discuss anything that we might have inadvertently missed along the way. But before we do that, Doctor, some deets. Writing credits. The music here is by Jeff Hanneman and Kerry King. And the lyrics are by... Oh! Jeff Hanneman and Kerry King. Um, according to Setlist, this song was played by Slayer 66 times, which leaves it in 72nd position in their all-time ranking of most popular songs they ever played. They last played it. Now, this is a bit interesting for me, Doc. They last played it March the 10th, 1986, at the Seagull Inn, Essex, Maryland, just like last week's track, The Final Command. So that gig seems quite pivotal in their live career. What do you reckon? Yeah, absolutely it does. Mm. Um, I mean, we're, we're seeing a lot of evidence of, of, of lines being drawn under stuff and decisions being made. Um, and the, the, um, it's very, uh, very fantasy-eck, mm -hmm. isn't it? It would exactly um, fantasy for for the uh, people who don't speak German means end of the century. Um, now, 1986, that would be, I think, the end of their initial Rain in Blood tour. So they were still playing it. So, so they dropped Hellawaits, they dropped Rain in Blood, and they were still playing it at that point. And then, for whatever reason, you know, at the end of that tour, that's when, oh, no more, no more of that kind of early show no mercy shit, basically. That's that's how it seems to me. It does seem to have been a pivotal show. Mm -hmm. Um and if we had nothing diligent about us, what we should now do is go away and research and find out if that particular show or that particular period was in some way pivotal. Mm -hmm. Um it's almost like if it was any other band, you would have expected a, a founder to have to have left at that point, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You would expect you would have expected there to have been a person a, 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 a personnel change, um, or possibly a hiatus. But um, it'll be interesting to get to the bottom of precisely what happened at that show or what happened at that stage of that tour. Yeah. Um, did they did they complete a new writing block? Mm -hmm. um, did they finalise some full track demos for? what was going to be the, the, the next phase. Sure. Um, something happened then. Something clearly happened. Something it? happened. Something happened. You, yeah. You're quite right. Um, any final thoughts, Doc, uh, uh, away from their, their, their touring schedule about the song that, that, that we've listened to that maybe you didn't mention earlier? Um, it's a great track. It's mm. an absolutely fantastic track. Mm. Um, I need to apologise and I need to eat quite a few of my words that you and I spoke off air before we started this project um, because I've ended up um, not merely giving a redemptive reading to this album based on circumstance, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I've ended up having to completely rethink my opinions of this whole entire album. Well, I think when we first discussed this project, this kind of week by week 
track project, your initial concern was, ah, but isn't that a really bad idea? Because the first album sucks balls, basically. Um, now, I never, I didn't fully agree with that, but I, I was a little concerned too, because my impression was that the first album is not very good. And, you know, and, and, and for me, this, this, this has been a kind of a, a, a revelatory experience. I have, I've enjoyed this album with, with the one glaring exception far more than I, than I possibly imagined that I would. It's, it's been fantastic. And, we, and we're not done yet. We still have another track to go, of course. Sure. Um, but the album is almost beyond the point of being spoiled mm. for me now. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I'm I'm even willing to completely overlook the one staggeringly duff track we've had mm. so far. The album is almost unruinable. Yeah, um, I, 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 I think we should we should we should try to avoid uh, kind of giving our uh, album overview appraisal because we're going to do a special episode for that. Um, specific thoughts about this 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 track doc, or should we should we give should we should we put the scores on the doors? What do you think? Kind of something I've brought up a couple of times during the course of this episode. Doesn't it sound like it's from yet another recording block with yet another recording engineer and in well, yet another studio? Oh, there's no doubt about it. This track is by far the best produced track on the album. Up to this point, I do, we haven't heard next week's track, but there is no doubt this song has the best production of any track we've heard so far. You can hear every instrument really clearly. There's a warmth to it. You can hear the bass, as you said. You know, you can clearly hear distinctly all of the different drums. My word, um, <laughs> you know, no, there's no doubt Th this track was recorded somewhere else or at least with somebody else in charge of the deck. Sure. Um, and um, with the last track of the album very much in mind, mm. um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to deliver my score, if you don't mind. Please, please, Doc. Um, Give us your swords. I am almost incapable of finding fault with any part of that track. Mm -hmm. um, I've got to keep some headroom in mm -hmm. reserve for the future. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm unreservedly going to give it nine liquescent swords. Nine liquescent swords, and my good lord, Doctor, it's as if you can peer into my soul and take every fibre of my being as your own, because it is nine Moe's mutilated skulls as well. Nine across the boards. It's a fucking banger. And the dodgy bit of Noobum only loses it one. Just one. And that's why it doesn't get a 10, sir. If not for gotcha. that, that was 10 out of 10. Yeah, absolutely sensational. Okay, that about does it for this episode. Don't forget to contact us on Twitter at Vercast or on email at slatanicvercast at gmail.com. Join us next time when we'll be discussing the next track from Show No Mercy, which is, in fact, the title track, Track 10 called Show No Mercy. So go get your thrash on, uh, motherfuckers. Which album was that from again? It's... <laughs> the, oh, the track is called Show No Mercy from the album Show No Mercy. Go get your thrash on, motherfuckers. See you next time, Doc. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>